Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Instant Reaction Pod. Happy Gilmore has taken down the Tour Championship, and we're going to break down everything you need to know about it. And to do so, we've assembled the entire squad. Let's first welcome in Greg Ducharme. Greg, give me one word to describe Happy Gilmore's performance at the Tour Championship. Inexplicable. I mean, you can't make it up. This is a -a one-of-a-kind performance. I've never seen anything like it. I'll leave it at that. It's inexplicable. Yeah, it's it's really something. Also, let's bring in Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. Kyle, this is we, we don't see rookies win the tour championship all the time. This is really something special, I think. No, I, I think you've started to see it more and more uh, with the young the younger crew that's that's kind of come up and and played really good golf at a at a young age. Obviously, Happy's not uh, he's not a, he's not young, but he's he's inexperienced for sure. I mean, we kind of saw that throughout the throughout the year. So. Look, it's great to have live golf. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun to uh, to be able to break something down right now. Yeah, for sure. And the the gold jacket, you know, the the most notorious, iconic. Uh, I don't want to call it trophy, prize, award that you can win on the professional golf tour. And and I want to I want to actually move back because Happy has really jumped on the scene so quickly, risen so fast that I think we kind of need to really give it give him his due here. Um, so, so happy Gilmore playing out of Waterbury country club in Massachusetts, you know, Greg, I want to go to you on this because the thing that everyone is going to see on TV and it's going to be the water cooler talk for tomorrow is this unorthodox swing that he has. I I wouldn't call it a, a hitch or I don't know. How would you describe happy Gilmore's swing? Uh, it's unorthodox. The footwork is unorthodox, but if you break it down, uh, and, and look at it on the video, I mean, if you look at it frame by frame, he nails the moment of truth. And you look at where Happy delivers the club at impact. Uh, you look at his footwork. You look at his weight distribution. You look at the body rotation. It is textbook. It reminds me of the impact position of a home run hitter. And that's why you see uh, extremely long, t- I mean, ungodly long tee shots out of Happy Gilmore on a regular basis. It is, uh, while it may look unorthodox when you, when you watch on TV, because you've never seen anybody start two feet behind the ball. Yeah. Um, but if you break it down from a technical pr- perspective, um, it's much more, um, I, I would almost classify it as textbook. And, and for Happy to come from where he's come from, I mean, he's not really a golfer. This is pure athletic skill. Uh, it is a canvas that is clean, and it's just, it's simply raw talent. And we see raw talent from time to time. We rarely see raw talent end up with a gold jacket like we did this week. Greg, who would you compare his when he gets it when he gets it through the zone? Like when he when when he finds the slot coming down, who would you compare his swing speed to? Uh, well, it reminds me of Albert Pujols. That's the first guy that I um, come to, and I know that's a different sport. I know it. It uh, you know Albert is obviously not a golfer; he's a baseball player. Um, but the, there are so many 
technical similarities between what Albert Pujols does and what Happy Gilmore does. As far as golfers are concerned, what kind of clubhead speed? Or I mean, there's nobody to compare him to. Mm-hmm. The the next guy that comes up who has ridiculously high clubhead speeds, uh, we'll be comparing that guy to Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore is setting a new standard when it comes to clubhead speed for sure. The the advanced metrics are absolutely off the chart. Uh, Kyle, Greg alluded to this. You know, we're we're routinely seeing 400 yard drives out of this guy. We're seeing him drive greens that half the tour even wish they could get to. But really, uh, you know, that that's drive for show. Uh, his short game. I, I mean, this is this is hashtag team no putt. Happy is absolutely brutal around the greens. And is this one of those situations where hey, you know, he's going to figure out that short game. He's probably going to win a lot more in his career. I think Happy has broken uh, Mark Brody. I think yeah. I think I think Mark Brody is uh, is struggling to figure out what to do with this data. It makes no sense. He goes from, uh, you know, like a bin on uh, area in terms of putting uh, for, for for most of the season, and then he's all of a sudden uh, Ben Crenshaw in the uh, you know in the final round of this event. So. Yeah, it's uh, his strokes gain stuff is is all over the place. But you know, you you look at the strokes gained off the tee, and and you look at the modern game, and the the and we talk about this all the time, Rick. Like the 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 putting stuff, it doesn't matter. You know, as yeah. long as you as long as you find it at the right time, which obviously he did. And the the I did a post on this the other day. Like the the off the tee stuff is what matters in terms of making money in terms of that's a repeatable thing you can go back to it and go back to it that that you know and, and that's what you know we saw like throughout the throughout the season we saw that's what kind of launched him onto the tour and that that makes a lot of sense because that's how the modern game is played and you know you find you find a, a hot streak with the putter and then all of a sudden you're wearing a, a gold jacket at the end of it yeah, he's certainly he's certainly breaking the mold, Greg. The other thing that kind of jumps right out at you, if you throw on a Gilmore highlight or a tournament that he's playing in, everyone says, "Look at that swing." And then everyone kind of looks at his behavior. You know, he's had a few run-ins with with Doug Thompson, you know, tour commissioner in the past. He's he's kind of hot-headed, but we've talked about this before. Do you want to rein in these hot-headed, passionate golfers or do you want to just let them be who they are because Gilmore is certainly, uh, you know, a one of a kind. Yeah, um, see, this is kind of, it, it's a unique question. And there's really, there's so much to unpack here. It goes really pretty deep. So a couple things about his behavior. One, I, I do like players who have emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. We've talked about it with a number of players before on this podcast. You have to play to your personality. There's no doubt about it. But in the game of golf, there is a line. It's a very, very clear line. Um, that Happy has, quite frankly, he's kind of blurred that line a little bit. And it got so bad, the guy, they were letting him get away with anything. I mean, you talk about the dances, you talk about, uh, I mean, he's jumping, the guy's jumping into lakes on, on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. We've seen people at the Players' Championship get kicked out of events for jumping into a lake. We have a player out here now diving after a golf ball and he doesn't get suspended and then all of a sudden he takes it a little bit too far Mm. gets into a fight with uh with bob barker which is just inexplicable uh and all of a sudden he's suspended for for four weeks leading into a tour championship this is across the line this is not tolerable behavior did he learn from the suspension i think so i think it's something that could really be a defining mark in in his career it's a guy who can now take that emotion that raw emotion harness it 
and use it for fuel, use it for something positive. That's what we saw this week. It's amazing to me that he's able to do that, though. I mean, you talk about a guy who's a little inexperienced. You talk about the the struggles with the putter and the short game leading into the week. For him to take that uh, that month off right before Tour Championship and then come out and play his best golf is uh, really unique and uh, surprising and exciting. Well, and I think the you know the the stabbing with the uh, the ice skate in that, in the yeah. in the hockey thing, I think that was you know that's kind of equivalent to when John Rom punched the sign at Aaron Hills, and mm. you know we've seen him kind of bounce back from that and and have a, a few good years. So I, I think those are pretty, you know, if you're if you're looking for like a comparison there, I think that's a good comparison. Well, Kyle, let me go right back to you with that because we we kind of knew this was coming, right? He 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 tried to stab someone with a hockey skate. We knew what his mentality was. We knew that he was going to be a little rough around the edges. I don't even know if I should be saying this. This might I might lose my job, but I think the PGT has, you know, they're a slave to the ratings. It's no surprise that they let him get away with literally almost murder of Bob Barker and you, you know, he he gets just a 4-week suspension. I feel like he should have been kicked off the tour, but the ratings are are too darn good. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, this is kind of the, people always talk about, well, golf is, you know, it's kind of soft and it's kind of, you know, whatever this, it's not soft anymore. So I think it not only has it improved the ratings, but it's brought, it's brought a level of, um, you, you don't really know what's going to happen, not just on the course, but off of it as well. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're the tour, if you're the, if you're the PGT, you, you can't, you can't purchase that. You can't uh, invent that. You can't, you, you you can't manufacture that. And so I think that they are looking at it and they're like, we have uh, just this this entity that is going to be gold for the next several years, not just because of his talent, but because of everything else that goes on around him. So I think it's very easy for them to kind of look past. Uh, you know, the, the, the near felonies and some of the other stuff that's gone on, which is a, it's a hard thing to imagine that you're going to look past some of these things. I mean, it's a, a pretty serious situation that we're looking at here. And I, my only concern is at what point are we ruining the spirit or risking the spirit of the game? And I, you know, I'm I'm kind of with you, Rick, uh, a slave to the ratings. Are they letting any of this go? Or, But maybe the one silver lining in this, r- ratings are better, yes. And I think you're going to see happy change a little bit. I think you're seeing the mold change. Uh, you know, you mentioned the work that he did with the late Chubbs Peterson. I know we're going to get to that a little bit later on in the show. Um, but this is a guy who I think had a real influence on him and with his passing, how emotional that was for happy, the guy that got him into the game, the guy that gets him into this situation where he can turn his life around. Uh, this might be a great recovery story at the end of it. So I give the PGT a little credit for suspending him. I think they had to do that. Was it soft? Yes, but they've opened up an opportunity now for one of the best stories the game has really ever seen. Well, I, I think that, you know, golf has always had kind of a history of it, it's always had a little bit of wrestling in its blood. You know, you go back to the 1870s and the, the Morris family, old and young Tom, uh, they used to win uh, like championship belts for winning the Open. So yeah. I, I think I think, you know, the lineage of, of the wrestling history here is it's pretty lengthy. 
Yeah, kind of, kind of comes full circle. I mean, Greg, you, you, you kind of alluded to, uh, you know, the Chubbs Peterson, who we'll we'll talk about in one second. But this, this stretch for Happy Gilmore, you know, g- gaining his tour exemption at the Waterbury Open, and then it was a little bit, a little bit rough for him. You know, we don't finish dead last at the AT and T Invitational. He started to get things going in Dallas with a 45th place finish. He was knocking on the door in Minneapolis, finishing ninth. That's uh, his first top ten of his career, and then. The Bob Barker incident, right? The the four weeks off, and you mentioned it. You know, for those who who don't know, uh, Chubb Peter Chubbs Peterson, excuse me. You know, the next Arnold Palmer in 1965 Sports Illustrated. He is Gilmore's swing coach. Unfortunately, we just lost him right before the Tour Championship. But was was the 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 recent run of success for Gilmore, Greg? Should we have seen this coming, or uh, I feel blindsided by this win? Well, yeah, you, and you should, because the last time we saw him, the play was, quite frankly, uh, embarrassing. I, I mean, it, it was so bad that Bob Barker was embarrassed. It, yeah. it, and and is, Bob Barker, you know, I, I, we have to say, Bob Barker was the defending champion with Nick Fowler. Yeah. He was there to play. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't blame him for being upset. He expected uh, he expected to win, and he didn't get it, and he was upset. And there's a little trash talk going on. Part of me thinks that Bob Barker was trying to get uh, was trying to inspire Happy. To play a little bit better, I thought maybe there was going to be a, a turning point in that uh, in that round where Happy really kind of picked it up and started to play a little bit better. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, but still, that moment still may have had an impact on him coming down the stretch. And that four weeks off could have been the best thing that ever happened to Happy Gilmore. It gave him some time to uh, to recover. It gave him some time to find his happy place. It gave him some time to find that short game that had been holding him back. I mean, we talk about it all the time, and you guys mentioned it earlier, um, Kyle and, and Rick here, about the volatility in putting. Kyle, a piece you just recently did. Putting is a more volatile stat um, than than driving of the golf ball. With, with happy, it's, so, it's even more volatile than it is at the highest level of, of volatility. It's even higher than it is for Ben on. The bad can be so bad that you come in last place. How often do you see a guy who leads – the field and strokes gain off the tee, finished the tournament in last place. I mean, he's nearly driving every green. That's how bad the short game is. It's historically bad. And Rick, I'm sure you have some some great nuggets on that, uh, which we can get to later. But uh, that so the four week period is it blind? Does it blindside you? Yes. But now hindsight being 2020, um, yeah, it makes sense because he was able to hone his game and sharpen these areas that needed so much work. Well, there's so much going on with Gilmore. I mean, the the four weeks might have been a blessing in disguise, but Kyle, this is you had an exclusive with him weeks ago, and he actually mentioned he he's not necessarily out here to play golf. He's got he's got kind of other things on his mind. He mentioned his grandmother. Can you expand on that a little bit? I, I thought it was really interesting because you 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 hear him talk, and he he's very honest about look. I'm I'm all about money. That's all I care about. And with a lot of guys. It is, hey, I want a gold jacket. Um, I want to I want to leave this legacy. I'm about building my brand. And he's like, I just want a bunch of money. And I thought that was actually it was it's kind of refreshing to hear uh, some of that honesty. And, you know, for him, uh, it's about paying off uh, or, or buying back his grandma's house. But I think it it probably goes beyond that. He's never been somebody that's been super successful. Uh, you know, his caddy's homeless. He he would like to pay him, uh, you know, the 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 10% that he's getting. So I, I think that uh, I, I, for, I, I, to be honest, like I, I 
thought the honesty about where he's at was was super refreshing. Yeah, I, I liked that too. I mean, so much we talk about, you know, these guys, oh, they're trying to fill up their trophy case or they're trying to earn points for the PGT, like whatever. Okay, these guys are out here to make money. Uh, Happy Gilmore does not uh, tiptoe around that. All right, gentlemen. Well, I think we've uh, done a good job here. Let's Let's take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. And we're back. So entering in to the tour championship, gentlemen, I, I mean, I think, and Greg, you know, we did our, our Tuesday preview show about this. Both of us picked Shooter McGavin. Uh, McGavin is, this is his tour. Um, you know, the only thing he's missing is this gold jacket. And, you know, I, spoiler alert, he doesn't get it, obviously. Uh, but I, I, I think we were still right to pick him before the week started, right? I mean, the odds on favorite, the guy who's just chomping at the bit to get this gold jacket into his, into his possession. I mean, we talk about the, the three buckets that we look in. You look at course history, which although it doesn't have a win, he doesn't have a win, it's still pretty good. I mean, he's near the top of the leaderboard every single year. You look at the statistical categories. Well, I mean, with a guy like Shooter McGavin, yeah, he's going to fit the statistical categories for every single one, um, for, for every single golf course, because he's so well-rounded in the entirety of his game. So he checks the box there. And then you look at recent form uh, and the winning streak. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum so far this year. The winning streak is uh, unprecedented. So um, the recent form, yeah, definitely checks the box. The thing that concerns me with Shooter McGavin, when he gets close to the thing he wants most, can he handle it? Can he handle that added pressure? And right now the answer has to be no. And, uh, I, you know, you hate to do it because the guy's so good. It's hard to speak critically of the best player in the game. But at this point, we kind of have to. Yeah, Kyle, is this another just Sunday collapse in a big moment? I mean, every other moment shooter has been able to uh, really bear down and find a way to to capture victory here. He was our first round leader. He was two under after one. Happy Gilmore was one shot back. It felt like this was going to be the year for shooter. And, you know, a, a, another year goes by and another another gold jacket to somebody else. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I, I think sometimes, especially because it, it, it's difficult, you know, you come out and you lead early and then it, it's almost like the moment got a little too big for him. And I think the emotion of it with, I mean, Happy's emotions obviously are all, mm. all over the place. And I think that, I think that really affected him. And you, and you saw that late on Sunday, uh, just kind of the, the reaction to, that he had to some, you know, people say that, that playing with slow players is, is really difficult. I think playing with, with volatile ones like Happy is, is uh, I think it's really tough. And obviously it, it just, I think you combine that with the history of him not being able to put on that gold jacket. And it, it, it just, it kind of snowballed at the end for him. I, one thing uh, you mentioned the playing with a volatile player. I mean, don't forget happy Gilmore fell all the way to one under par and uh, laid in the front nine. I mean, it was, yeah. he was four shots back. 
And all of a sudden on the back nine, Happy starts making some birdies. He gets those fans going crazy the way that he has all year. And all of a sudden, it felt like the favorite, the Shooter McGavin, who's the, the face of the PGT, he's the guy that everybody loves. He's the guy that everybody's looking for to win this tournament. All of a sudden, he's an underdog. All of a sudden, the momentum in the crowd and the, the fans and, and everybody is against Shooter. And I don't think he's used to that. And I don't think he was equipped to handle it. Uh, and I think that played this year because his game was clearly in shape for him to, to break through and win. Uh, this may have been the best chance that he'll ever have because that's how good his game was in leading into this tournament. And I think that the crowd rooting for Happy, the support that Happy Gilmore drew in that back nine on Sunday, I think that's ultimately what made the difference. Well, and I think it's a good point because you don't often see, you know, normally the way it plays out is, you know, the, the Butler basketball story, you, right? You see the, you see the Cinderella kind of hang on and hang on and then finally fade at the end. I guess Butler's a bad example because they were in it until the very end. But, you know, the, that's the typical Cinderella story. And with Happy, he was actually the one that flipped the script and it came all the way back and leapfrog shooter at the end. So that I thought that part of it was interesting because that's just that's not a narrative that we see very much in sports. He, he he really breaks the mold in every possible scenario. So let's talk about this final round more in depth because, you know, I've already been critical of the PGT. I feel like I'm going to have to bang the drum again. You cannot have, Greg, a crazed fan in a Volkswagen running down one of your star players. Like I, this to me is one of the biggest security debacles I've ever seen. Luckily, luckily, Happy Gilmore is is, is able to continue. Uh, takes him a couple holes to shake it off, but the PGT, you you know they're in meetings right now trying to figure out what to do uh, for next season. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I mean, <laughs> that, that's not an easy one to handle. And you look at what happened, it, it's almost, I'll tell you what, the PGT was saved the fact that it was happy that got hit and not Shooter McGavin. Oh. Because Shooter McGavin would have made a stink about it, I think, and rightly so. Um, and I also don't know if he's equipped to take a hit like that. And I hope he doesn't come after me for saying that. I'm sorry, <laughs> Shooter. It's just, look, I mean, Happy's known for his toughness. You see this guy uh, doing all kinds of crazy things. I mean, the guy's not afraid to wrestle an alligator, as legend has it. I mean, legend has it the guy will stand in a batting cage Ugh. and take, take pitches right to the chest. He's, he's ready to go. And uh, that hit turned out to be the hit by the Volkswagen. Turns out to be the hit that kind of gets the putter spark. It's almost like getting struck by electricity. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I hope that we never see anything like it again. And if you're the PGT, I mean, maybe those ropes have to change from ropes into guardrails. Oh, absolutely. That That is a story we're going to be covering quite a bit moving forward. But Kyle, I mean, Greg alluded to this. There there was a, a significant moment that this this flip switched, switch flipped, whatever. For Happy Gilmore, where he's, you know, dead in the trees, he's four shots back, he hits this unbelievable recovery, and then boom, now it's now it's hot putter, now it's uh, hot hockey stick, which is what his putter looks like, right? It's fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji, he's draining everything. You don't see guys that can that can uh, flip a switch like that. No, you don't. And it, it reminded me a little bit of of Phil Mickelson in terms of not only being able to flip the switch, but just the trash talk that ensued mm. after that. I mean, it was... It was kind of Mickelsonian, and you know, I think Phil, uh, you know, he wasn't out there that week, but I think he would have been proud of just the way that not only Happy, um, you know, handled himself with his with his clubs, but also just the way he kind of 
he kind of he kind of stuck the dagger in a little bit with Shooter there, and and was just kind of kind of trash talking him the whole way in. So, you know, it, it's not often you see a rookie talk that much. It's not it's not often you see a golfer talk that much. But he was he was kind of feeling himself, and you know, as a as a fan of the sport, it's it's kind of fun to see stuff like that because it's just not something you see very often. Kyle, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. Do you think? happy and the presence that he brings to the game does anything for the open mic situation out there there's been so much discussion should we get open mics out there to hear player caddy conversations uh do you think the game would be well suited to hear Otto and and happy talking over a shot on on a tee box or do you think it's too risky well i think so i think you know based on some of the history we have with happy i think you might have to have like a 25 or 35 second (laughs) delay on it but right I, I I do think that yeah I think I think that'd be fan- I mean look people people can't get enough happy right you could put you could put a secondary feed on um, Bleacher Report you could put a, a a third feed like an like an audio only feed on HBO and people would just would just buy it all up because they can't get enough right now yeah he's he's certainly a, a superstar already and and looking forward to seeing how that goes for the next couple of years but let's go to eighteen because this is really where all the drama happens. I mean, we're we're all tied heading to 18. It's it's shooter, it's happy. We are ready to rock and roll. And this is a rare par 3 18th on the tour. You don't see these every day playing 160 yards today. And happy Gilmore Greg does exactly what he needs to do, which is hit his shot to 15 feet and shooter McGavin flies his ball over the green and into the woods. So right there we're going to pause right there. This was Big time advantage, Happy Gilmore, after one. Big time advantage. Um, and, I mean, not only did he hit it onto the green, he left it uh, in a putt that even Happy Gilmore uh, felt like he could <laughs> probably make, right? It, it was about as straightforward a look as can get. And uh, on the on the contrary, Shooter McGavin, he is not in a very good spot. And no. for him to get the ball onto the green from that lie, uh, forced to hit it off of a, a very, very large tennis shoe is not an easy thing to do. And it's something that you can't practice. There's no way you're practicing that. Um, And, and he pulled it off and it, you know, I will give shooter a lot of credit because getting that ball up and down, if you know, what ensues later on, which we're going to talk to doesn't happen uh, for shooter McGavin. It's one of the greatest up and downs in the history of the game. And to do it on the 72nd hole of the tour championship, uh, it's unprecedented stuff. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately for shooter, the thunder was kind of stolen. Well, Greg, I want to go right back to you on that. Cause you mentioned the lie that shooter had in the woods off of a spectator's foot. You mentioned the width of that tennis shoe. I think that actually helped him. He was able to use the bounce of the club. Would you, would you argue that if, if that was a more narrow foot, a smaller foot, he would have had a more difficult shot there. Oh, nonetheless, an unbelievably incredible shot. Well, here's the advantage. When you're, when you have a golf ball sitting on top of a shoe, the way that it is, there's no grass between Mm. the club face and the ball. So what it does is it gives you an ability. You you have a little bit, believe it or not, you have a little bit of a chance to get some spin on the ball Um, because, you know, it's not like you're sitting in thick rough where the ball's just going to come out like a knuckleball. You have, you know, you're getting your club face right on the ball. The concern is, well, one, am I going to hit some, am I going to damage spectators much larger than me who may turn around and damage me? That That's the concern. So it, it's really, it's more so fear uh, than it is what the mm. actual lie is, because the actual lie 
was was quite good. It's just what might happen if if you miss kind of a thing. That's a good point. Things you can't necessarily control. And, and Kyle, this is the first of two rulings that we got on 18 that I don't think I was too thrilled about. You know, the PGT, a very strict play it as it lies rule, right? Forcing shooter to hit it off a spectator's foot. And then the, the really uh, unbelievable moment, and luckily no one was hurt, the TV tower. You know, 18 green was just stockpiled with fans, Every, everyone running up there trying to catch a glimpse. They take down the TV tower on 18. And I think Happy draws a bad ruling as well, being forced to actually hit his putt with a TV tower in his line. Let's start with the actual ruling. Does the PGT need to consider, you know, their play it as it lie, lie rules for, for moving forward? Well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think there's a reason Patrick Reed is not on this tour anymore. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I think it will be under consideration certainly after the season's over, along with, you know, the the barricade along the uh, along the gallery lines. I, I think mm. there's a I think there's a lot there's going to be a lot in play in terms of the PGT board getting together after this season. But you know the the it's funny because the stands and 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 the and everything that happened and kind of the collapse it reminded me a little bit of what happened to I believe it was Brendan Steele at the Sony Open where he's so far left mm -hmm. uh by by where the grandstand was and you, and you almost have to play around it and and look like he gets relief from that I don't I don't know if that's the right call so I almost I almost like having um you know, ha happy have to have to hit around all that, or or I guess hit into it or through it or however you want to say it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's not really his fault, but it also happened on the course. So, I, you know, who knows? I don't know whether that uh, grandstand weighed less or more than the the rock that Tiger got had moved at the sure. Phoenix Open all those years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I I would I would love to be a, I'll say this I'd love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations at the the PGT board meetings after the season. Couple great points there, Kyle. One, I'm totally with you. The rules have to be black and white. You have to make a decision and to say, hey, we're going to play it as it lies, no matter what. It really simplifies that situation because if if one player didn't get a drop, if shooter didn't get a drop, and then uh, and then Happy did. I think the, the story today would be completely different. So I like the fact that they have a strong line in the sand for their ruling. However, I will say, Doug Thompson has got to take some responsibility mm. for this because it's just unacceptable. And this is not a ruling in play. The concern here isn't what happens with the ruling on the field. The concern is what happens beforehand. I mean, who's, who is constructing the these facilities, these TV towers, the grandstands? I mean, if you're a patron going to one of these events, and you're going to go up into a grandstand. You're going to have a little fear that uh, that it might tip over. You're going to have a little fear that you might fall through the bleachers. I mean, yeah. we have to have some stronger guidelines in the construction aspect of these tournaments, especially your tour championship when everybody's watching. Yeah, Doug is certainly going to have some some questions to answer over the course of the next couple of weeks. But let's talk about the actual shot here and and greg let's go back to you real quick because you you told uh, you told us about the work that happy gilmore had done with chubbs uh in the four weeks leading up to the tour championship and he and happy gilmore is able to execute this putt yeah to kyle's point through around over off of volkswagen up onto the tv tower down the railings and in the cup to win the tour championship it, that i feel like that is from a lot of the practice that he got four weeks uh the last four weeks I was fortunate enough 
uh, and I, I mean this seriously, I was fortunate enough to catch up with Chubbs Peterson mm. a couple of weeks back before he uh, tragically passed. And yeah. uh, so these are always difficult things to talk about and they get emotional. So I apologize. That being said, one of the things that Chubbs did when he first got happy, he, he got him to, uh, to a mini golf place. And what it did, it did a couple of things. One, it took happy out of the uh, the the spotlight a little bit. It took him out of an arena where he was maybe a little bit uncomfortable on a golf course and got him into a mini golf environment that was different, maybe an environment he was a little more accustomed to. And it also presented different challenges and it worked on the creativity. And speaking with Chubbs about that, he said his goal was to open Happy's mind and allow Happy to uh, to see some things before they happen, to get a little bit of creativity, to get a little imagination. And I think after uh, after the Volkswagen clipped happy there uh, in the middle of the round, we really saw that come to light. And he he leaned on that. And I, I give all the credit in the world on that putt uh, to, Chubbs, to Chubbs Peterson. Yeah, I, I talked to Happy about that a little bit as well. And, you know, it was almost like a, a golfer going back to – you know how sometimes when guys are struggling, they just need to go back to their home club, uh, like not even their home club, but just like where they're from, where they grew up yep. and and play a little bit. And I think that really, it kind of settled Happy's nerves. I think it settled him down. It got him back to what he's used to, which is just playing absurd golf. And, uh, you know, who knew it would play out like that on the 18th green, but it, it was, I, I don't think Happy was, was super you know, he wasn't overwhelmed by that moment and he wasn't surprised about kind of the way it went down. Yeah, yeah he kind of, he kind of, uh, sorry, Rick, he, no, you're good. he got into that when he went home and he, he, he found his why again, he found his purpose, which is, as you mentioned earlier, Kyle, uh, to make a lot of money. And he have, has this one putt and this one op- opportunity to do just that, to make a lot of money and to get, uh, to get his house back for his grandmother it meant a lot to him. And, uh, and, and he was able to pull it off. Yeah, you know, Hogan had, you know, uh, dig it out of the dirt. And I think Happy's is dig it out of the clown's mouth. So I think that's yeah. kind of what the way that we'll remember him going forward. Well, let's let's talk about going forward, gentlemen. Kyle, we'll stay with you because you had kind of mentioned the way that Happy Gilmore is breaking the game. Is this is Happy Gilmore the sign of a new era of golf? Are we going to see other players attempt this? walk up, run up hockey style type of swing. Are are we going to see a lot more than that now that happy Gilmore has tasted success at the highest levels? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, in the same way that, that we used to see tiger woods or or, or in the same way that we saw tiger woods usher in a new era, uh, I would say economically within the game. I think you might see that with happy as well. I mean, we talked about it earlier, the, the ratings that the PGT is getting and the, 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 the amount of money that's about to come in, I think not only are you going to see guys try and copy him in terms of their, um, you know, their, their, their swing or, or, or excuse me, his swing or, or his, his, uh, just his kind of demeanor on the course. I think, I think you're going to, I think you're going to see golf more flush with good players as a whole, because it's more of a economic viability. I, 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 and I think that you won't see that for several years, but, I think you combine the fact that he hadn't done it before and he got it done right away. He was able to jump on the tour right away yeah. with the fact that there's about to be a lot more money in it. I think you're you're going to see a lot of guys trying to do this in the near future. Well, the PGT, you know, the, the TV contracts are coming up next year and you know they're going to be raising the prices, assu- uh, assuming that Happy Gilmore can keep on on this pace. And Greg, we'll we'll wrap up with with this one. You know, 
What does this say about Shooter McGavin? Does this tarnish his legacy? Is this the last real chance for him to get a gold jacket? Is he going to just be left behind in this new era of golf? Like, where does this guy stand? We talk about it all the time uh, on, on this show. It's really hard to win on the PGT. It's really hard to win. And it's because the field is so deep. And you have a player like Happy Gilmore who kind of comes out of the woodwork. And, you know, the year before, nobody even knew who he was. And all of a sudden, he's on tour and competing with you, uh, you know, shot for shot to win the tour championship. So um, I, I think if you're Shooter McGavin, I think he and his uh, he and his his staff will kind of go through. They'll evaluate some things. They'll see what he could have done differently on that back nine. Uh, looking for positives. What an up and down on 18. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of positives for him to take away from this. They, they just got to tighten some things up. Keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I can't imagine Shooter McGavin ending his career without a green, without a gold jacket. Um, if he continues to play the way that he's playing, which is phenomenal. Don't be, don't let this overshadow anything. I mean, he is playing great golf. Uh, there's no reason to say that it won't continue. Yeah, it's an interesting point. We might have, for all we know, another Happy Gilmore next year as the the new class comes through. So, gentlemen, uh, I want to thank you. That was uh, the instant reaction pod to the Tour Championship. Congratulations goes out to Happy Gilmore. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the First Cut Podcast on Apple iTunes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at First Cut Pod. And next week is Masters Week, so you know we're going to have a lot of content and things going on, including little tease a interview with one of the best Ryder Cup players ever. Should I spoil? Okay, it's Ian Poulter. How about Ian Poulter in the interview? Uh, stay tuned for that. You can get Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. You can get Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can get myself, Rick Gaiman, at Rick Run Good. We'll talk to you next time. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.